Well, if you recall last week, I had my mind changed on a sermon topic and felt like that was confirmed by the message that the uh, Gideon brought. What I thought I was going to preach on last week, I put off till this week, and I couldn't sleep for anything last night. And I got up this morning, I finished putting my thoughts together, and I left off on a hymn that I think we'll close and sing called Farther Along. My mom sent me a text this morning about an hour ago. Said I was up late last night praying for you. And I kept listening to this song farther along. And then what do we close with? Different version, same idea. Trials and darkness in every hand, we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. We will understand it better by and by. Turn to the book of Joshua. book of Joshua. As you're turning there, we'll be near the beginning and we'll stay mostly around that that area in the book of Joshua. I want to remind you of something that's very important for us to understand. I've preached on this before. I think you can go back and find the sermon online if you want to. God does not call us to be used by him because we are qualified. He qualifies those whom he calls. It's a very important distinction. It's very easy for us to look at all the amazing and miraculous accounts of the scriptures, all the people that God used in many ways, and somehow think that they were better than us, that they were different, that somehow they proved their worth, and therefore God used them to do amazing and miraculous things, and maybe even to think, well, if I could just get my life together, God could use me as well. But we shouldn't forget... That Moses was probably a little bit spoiled, grown up, filthy rich, murdered somebody, ran away, and had a speech problem. And God used him despite. The Apostle Paul was not a very good man, and God used him anyway. Matthew was a tax collector. We're getting ready to get about 100,000 more of those, so God will do great things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Esther was just a random teenage Jewish girl. A lot of the disciples were fishermen. It wasn't because any of them were anything special and God that, oh, this is a person I can use. And in fact, it's probably the opposite. God identified and wanted to use them and qualified them uniquely to do what he wanted them to do. The same is true of salvation. None of us are saved because of what we've done, but because of him. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one can boast. So if I have anything in Christ, it is because of what he does for me, not because of what I do for him. And we shouldn't forget that many of the accounts, the true accounts we have in the scriptures, these men and women of God struggled with what God had laid out for them and the path that he revealed for them. And in many times in their lives, there were many uncertainties, things that didn't go the way that they would have planned. And I'd say if we're all honest today, there's been many things in our lives that haven't gone the way that we wanted either. And in fact, we may be uncertain about many of them. And again, if we step back from this idea that these people who are in the scriptures are somehow uh, otherworldly and special, we really have to lean into what they experienced. God called Moses, told him to go and set his people free. Oh, he showed him a few things, but do you think Moses had any idea what was going to happen when he got to Pharaoh's court? I don't know that he did. Do you think he really thought that they were being released to go on their way and then Pharaoh changed his mind? I'd say he really did and was maybe disappointed. Do we think Daniel knew what would happen when he got to the edge of the lion's den? Do we think Ruth had any idea what would happen when she laid at the feet of Boaz? In fact, I don't even know that John the Baptist had any great idea. I've thought about this for a long time, and I can go both ways on this, but I I tend to think, based on some scripture, that he had no idea that his cousin, don't forget the connection, was Jesus Christ as in the Messiah. And it says as much, imagine knowing your cousin, preaching about someday the Messiah himself is going to come, and then all of a sudden while you're preaching, your cousin walks by and God says, that's him right there. Imagine you would have had to stop for just a second and go, are you sure? I know this guy. See, over and over again, because we know the rest of the story, sometimes we fail to place ourselves in it and put these people higher than we should, when in reality we should understand the circumstances and place ourselves in this story as obedient followers of the Lord. So we have to wonder, did they know what was happening next? So let's look at Joshua for just a minute. Many of us know Joshua is obviously a favorite Sunday school and VBS character, and we think we know a lot about him. Of course, he walked um, very closely with God and walked closely with Moses, and the two of them journeyed through the desert for 40 years with a host of stiff-necked and rebellious people. And if you haven't ever read their story and found yourself in it, you read it again and sit down and think, these people did not understand, and then realized that's the story of us, right? So Joshua and Moses are finally, 40 years later, coming to the edge of the Jordan, about to cross over to the Promised Land. And Moses reveals that he is not going over. If you turn a few pages back, I know I said I'd be in Joshua. Deuteronomy 31, that's where I want to be for just a second. 31. 1 through 3. And Moses went and spoke these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I'm 120 years old this day, and I can no more go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. 
And the Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy the nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord has said. So Joshua is realizing, maybe for the first time, Moses is going away. The one who I've been following and walking with for 40 years is going away, and now I'm in charge with the help of the Lord. What a daunting task. Can you imagine Like there's multiple millions of people, a whole culture that has been built up, a whole religious text, the whole formation of a people. And God says to Joshua, you're going to lead them over. It's an incredible amount of responsibility. And Joshua wasn't given a long plan with details about how to do this. How do you care for several million people? How do you get them through the wilderness? How do you do these things? But thank goodness that Joshua had 40 years of training to do what? To rely on the Lord on a daily basis for the manna, for the directions, for the water. I want to focus just for a minute. I'll be a little critical here. What did God not give Joshua? Well, I made a few notes here. He didn't give him a strategic vision. He didn't tell them to go out and find a whole bunch of leaders and get synergy among them so they can make the right decision. He didn't give them a a plan to access the core competencies of all who were there so they could, you know, find out who the bridge builders are. They could do this, that, and the other. He didn't give them a list of incentives. He didn't tell them about logistics. didn't talk about deliverables. didn't talk about how to amplify the mission. didn't have a holistic view of sustainability. didn't have any of that. Instead, he just repeatedly told him, follow after me. Those are the only instructions. And you know what? Sometimes in our lives, those are the only clear instructions that we get. And the message that God gave Joshua is the same for us today. Follow after him. We see this again in Deuteronomy chapter 31, where we just left off. Verse 7 and 8. And Moses called on Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with these people in the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, and he will be with thee, and he will not fail thee, never forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. And then verse 23 tells him again, Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto thee, and I will be with thee. And so we see repeatedly that Joshua is told that God will go before them and that he is simply to follow after them and be of uh, good courage and to be strong and to make sure that he is observing what he's to do. We see this once again. Turn with me to the very end. Deuteronomy. I believe it's the last chapter. Well, it's chapter before that. Well, I've lost my place. The point is... <laughs> He tells them again in Deuteronomy to be strong and of good courage, tells them what he's supposed to do. And then we see that also repeated in Joshua. What did Joshua do? Well, he waited. I've said this before. Waiting is not lost time. In fact, if you look at the Hebrew word for waiting, it means to bind up. 
And so this idea, when the scripture talks about waiting, it's not endlessly using time, but it is, in fact, binding up and gathering in what? Gathering in your faith in the Lord. And sometimes some of us have to wait for a very long time through very uncertain circumstances. But we see in Joshua now, chapter 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou, and all these people under the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given to you, as I said unto Moses. And he goes on to describe the wilderness. So again, let's picture this. Don't, don't, don't lose track yet. Here we have Joshua, who has been following after the Lord, who would stay uh, talking to God longer than Moses would, if you remember some of those stories, but had been working with Moses for years. Moses passes away, hands the torch, if you will, over to Joshua because the Lord commands it. And God tells him, after the death of Moses, after they spend their time uh, mourning the loss, God told him to get up and to go and cross over the river. Well, this is a really tall task. How do you get a couple million people and all their animals, young and old, all cross of a river. And this was no small river. In fact, you'll read here in a minute, this is the time when it was swelling over its banks. And the times we think back then when it was swell, it could be almost a mile wide. Have you ever seen a really big river like that? It's like trying to cross the Mississippi or the Ohio. And you stand at the banks of those rivers at their widest spots and you go, wow. Now try and get a couple million people across there. And this is where I want us to understand that we are asked sometimes to go certain directions. We don't always get the specific plans that we think we will. So Joshua waited, and he was told to go over the Jordan. And he was given reminders again. Verse 5, it says, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt... Uh, divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from to the left or to the right that thou mayest prosper whether thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth but shall meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Now it's easy to read these verses, but again, imagine you just got put in charge of all these people, and God is telling you, be strong and courageous, and oh, by the way, you've got to get them all across this river. doesn't seem clear on what to be done. But he is told, don't turn left, don't turn right, don't let the law depart from your mouth, uh, or don't keep it from departing from your mouth, and you to meditate it on it always. And what happens? It leads to good success. And so this is all that Joshua knew. Now, we know the outcome, don't we? We know what happens here in a minute. But this is all that Joshua knows, that he is facing what seems to be insurmountable circumstances. How on earth is he going to get this accomplished? And again, he didn't turn back on his own abilities or the commands of people or the minds of men, but instead he trusted the Lord. And in verse 10, it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your uh, vigils, 
for which three days you shall pass over this Jordan and go in to possess the land which your Lord your God giveth you to possess. He didn't have a plan. He didn't know what was going to happen. He told all of them, get ready. Three days from now, there's some interesting discussion here about Joshua being a type of Christ. And of course, Joshua is the root word of the name Jesus. So three days they waited. It took that many days to get everything together for them to get ready. They go through all and they tell everybody to get ready. In verse 16, and they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commanded us we will do, and whether thou send us we will go. Accordingly, as we hearken to Moses in all things, so we will listen to thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And they get ready to go. Now Joshua sends out a spy, or two spies. And again, we know that very famous story too. We're going to skip that for just a minute. So he sends out these spies, and they go across the land, and they spy it out, and they meet Rahab and all of that, and they come back. This time they do it right. If you remember 40 years ago, they disobeyed the Lord, didn't they? Do they have any more information now that they didn't before? Absolutely not. It's the same circumstances. The question is, where is your faith in all of this? So he sends out these spies. They come back and they say, let's go. So turn to chapter 3. Joshua rose early in the morning and they moved from Shittim to Jordan. And all he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they then commanded the people, saying, See that the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest of Levites bearing it. Then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And there shall be a place between you, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before." So everyone's ready. Everyone's at the banks of this river. And we see here in a second that this river, again, is at flood stage. And interestingly, if you ever want to look in 1 Chronicles, there's a discussion of David's mighty men, and it talks about them swimming across the river, also at flood stage. So it gives you this idea that this was not some little creek or tributary we're having to cross. This takes some power to get across. I also want you to remember that God's very presence was living in the ark. And he tells the people that when you see the ark of God, when you see the very presence of God, you are to pick everything up and you are to follow after it at a distance. About 3,000 feet over eight football fields. You could probably just kind of barely make out the direction it was to go. And it's important because you know what? None of us have passed this way before. Many of you over the years have come to me with trials and struggles, some of which I have some familiarity with, many of which I don't. But the reality is for all of us, none of us have passed this exact way before, have we? How are we to know which way to go if we do not follow after the very presence of the Lord when it leads in front of us? Even when it's at a distance, we need to keep our eye on where the Lord is going and we need to be ready to pick up and to move with him when he wants us to, even into the places we're uncertain of, even when we don't understand the outcome, and even when we're unsure of what we're to do. And so they are given advice in verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And sanctify is this idea that we're going to cleanse ourselves. We're going to ask for forgiveness. We're going to clean ourselves up. We're going to separate the things that we're doing so that we can fully serve the Lord. 
Look what happens next in verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. That's it. That's all the instructions they got. Get ready. I'm going to do something amazing. Go stand in the river. Now, what kind of sense does that make? To the average person, and no doubt to Joshua, and all those who are there are like, okay, we're going to go stand in the river. This ought to be interesting. But they do what God tells them to do, even with the limited instruction. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. He relayed the message. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Pezerites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the earth pass over before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, shall rest the waters of the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand up in a heap. And it came to pass that when the people removed their tents to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they bear the Ark, they come into Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped into the brim of the water, for the Jordan overfloweth all its banks, as it was the time of harvest, that the water which came down from above stood and rose up upon heavy heap, far from the city of Adam that is beside Zetron. And those that came down toward the sea in the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. And so we see, again, what God said he would do, which is an amazing miracle. He said, follow me because I know the way and you've never been there before. And I will show you great and wonderful things. But I bet it didn't happen the way many of them thought it would. You ever wonder if the priest doubted? Like, I, Joshua, I know you told us we're just going to like walk this river. But we walk in and we're ankle deep and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, it gets lower and lower and lower. You ever walked into an experience in life you're worried about? Something uncertain? God tells you to move forward. You walk in, you're ankle deep, and you go, wait a second. You sure this is the right way? We can be sure if it is, in fact, the Lord leading us. Because why? Because he's been there before. Because he knows the outcome from the beginning and he knows the outcome from the middle and we do not know it. We cannot and we will never see it the way that he knows it and understands it. So when we have times of uncertainty, when we are anxious or worried about our direction, when we have concern over the direction, what should we do? We should cleanse ourselves before God and rely on him to guide us across trials and tribulations that we have. And the river dries. 
And the priests stand there, holding a very heavy ark, covered with gold. They stand there all day, I don't know how long, and they let all these people pass by. What an amazing and wonderful thing. We know what it's like, brothers and sisters, when we see God do amazing things within our midst, how we celebrate. Can you imagine celebrating this? And can you imagine how much better it is for them not knowing the outcome, not knowing the method, but instead what this does, it gives God the glory. It teaches us obedience. We are strengthened through our faith. And as we see later on in this book, when the others in the land saw this, they were terrified of God. So when we rely on God, when we are uncertain, when we trust Him to perform the mighty miracles in our lives, rather than us trying to do it for God, when we uh, follow after Him and are obedient to Him, are strong and courageous, it gives God the glory, not us. It teaches us further obedience. It strengthens our own faith, and it gives a testimony to all those who see that God is the God of the earth and all the world and all that is in it. We must remember this when we go through uncertain, difficult times. Here's the reality. Sometimes we get to stand on Mount Nebo and look over everything. And if you don't remember, you go back a few pages, that's where Moses went. God showed him everything, but he couldn't see it in detail. You ever had a faint idea what the future is, but you can't see how to get there? God ever showed you a wide open vista and said, this is your future. This is the direction you're going. But how you get there is hidden. Conversely, everyone else was down in the valley, camping in a valley, couldn't see around the next bend. You ever been in a valley in your life and not knowing where the mountains were break? Where it seems like on all sides you're hemmed in, every direction you look and you come around the edge, well, there, it keeps on going. You ever broken camp uncertain about where you're going to go? God ever led you somewhere physically to go and you're not really sure where it's at? You ever stood in the river? Not sure how you're going to get across? Either way and by every step, God's plan will open up to us and we will understand what he has in store for us if we obey, if we are strong, if we are courageous, if we meditate on his word day and night, and if we follow after him because he's been there before. You see, the reality is what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. Of course, everyone knows the 13th chapter is the love chapter, but there's this one verse, there's a couple Slim slightly out of place until you understand it. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. See, the reality is this side of heaven, this side of Jordan, if you will, we only see in part. We do not understand the things that God is doing. We do not understand the trials. We do not understand the successes. We do not understand the rivers and the valleys and the mountains and all that lays before us. And sometimes we can see partly. We can see around the bend. Maybe we get the grand vista, but we don't see the details. We don't know how to go from here to there, but we know that God told us to do it. And we see through a dark mirror dimly a blurred idea of what we're supposed to do. But there is coming a time 
when we will see face to face and we will know, not just in part the little fragments, but we will know the whole thing because God will reveal it to us as we are known by him. This is the comfort and the guidance that we should have as we travel through what is often a difficult journey of life. I know I'm going long here, so I'll try and summarize here some of the end. Of course, they pass over. I'm just going to read chapter 4 anyway. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people out of every tribe of man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, at the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men who had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of, of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, and that your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What mean you by these stones? And you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, and the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial for thee unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, as Joshua commanded, and took twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spoke unto them, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them, and placed them where they lodged, and laid them down there. And pause for just a minute. I had told you, and I don't really understand the reason that this has been on my mind and my heart, so I'm hoping that someone here, this is helping. When we go through hard times and we come out the other side, when we have no idea which place to put our foot next, other than God has said, go this direction, these are the circumstances, but simply to march ahead, to pick up your camp, to purify yourself, and to move forward, whether we see it all, or whether we see just what's right in front of us, or whether we can see just enough to see God leading a thousand feet away, and we follow after him, when God brings us over, we should build a memorial to him. What does that look like today? Am I telling you to go out and dig up a bunch of stones and pile them up? I don't know, maybe. But there should be points in our lives that we build a memorial that teaches us, reminds us, and teaches our children, this is where and how God did amazing things in my life. This is the story that we have set before us. And you can sit here today and say, well, look, I'm not a Joshua and I'm not a Moses, and I'm not a so on and so forth, but that isn't the point. The point is that in all of our lowly states, in all of our brokenness, in all of the wrong decisions we made, God brings us somewhere if we follow after him, and we should give him the glory by building some type of memorial. Whether we write it down in a book for others to read, for our children someday to say, wow, God did that in your life, and you say, yes, he did. 
when I didn't know there was a way, when I couldn't see the way out, God helped me through the hard times. Maybe it's a time when you stand up and testify, whether it's in a small group in Sunday school or it's in church, that you say, this is what my God did for me. And we teach those who are younger about what's happened in the past. And we remind ourselves of how God is faithful to us, no matter the circumstances, that we are encouraged to continue on the right path forever. Even Joshua, I have no doubt, would pass by these stones later in life and be encouraged and reminded When he goes before the enemy into battle, he's reminded of what God has done because there is a pile of rocks that came out of the middle of a raging river that he piled up in honor of God. Not in honor of himself, but in honor of the way that God performed a miracle. Now, it wasn't just the 12 stones and the 12 men selected that represent the 12 tribes that took it out. Joshua did something else himself. In verse 9, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst, or the middle of the Jordan, in the place where the uh, priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there this day. See, Joshua went back in the river, and he gathered up the stones, and he built a memorial, a monument to what God had done in the middle of somewhere where it doesn't make any sense to do it. How do you get to the bottom of the middle of a river and build a monument to God? Well, when it's all dry, when it's all said and done, you can go out and do that. So there it is, and I still remember hearing a sermon on this topic years ago. pastor called it a double memorial in two ways. God was honored that day. Just in case you wonder if any of this is real, I found some interesting reference to some historical documents from about this time, believe it or not. That city of Adam that's discussed about 12, 15 miles away, there's this interesting record of a time when the river went completely dry and they went out and built up the bridge they had over that part of the river. And come to find out shortly later that there had been a huge mudslide just up from there. And after they'd had time to repair their bridge, the waters came back. Just in case you doubt any of these accounts or these stories, there's historical records to back up so much of what's in the scripture. But of course, just me proving that to you isn't enough for faith. But I want to let you know that it's real. So God told Joshua to build a memorial, to remember what God had done, and to be as a lesson for future generations. And Joshua went even further than that by building his own memorial in the middle of the river. And so my question to you today is, are you setting memorials in the river that God has allowed you to pass over? Are you remembering the hard times in life and how God took you through it? Are you honoring him by giving the testimony of how God has helped you when you didn't deserve it, when you didn't know which way to go, when all you knew was to go get your feet wet, and God provided the way? Because he will do that to all of us if we are only strong and courageous in him. Joshua only seemed to have enough knowledge to take him every step. And that God would reveal more. Some of us, I think, are going through a very difficult time. Others of us are going through a challenging time. And you know what? I'm just going to say even about myself, I would much rather for God to tell me, like, 
you do this, and then this, and then this, and here, I'm going to write down your strategic vision, right? And we're going to go here, and then this is going to happen. You're going to meet this person you don't even know about. They're going to do this. But that's not seemingly the way God works, because God is teaching us to be obedient, whether we know it or not, in all conditions. The lesson is to be obedient. Joshua only knew what to do in each step. Again, we like to somehow, because we know the end of the story, think that he knew what was going to happen. I don't think he did. I think he knew what God told him to do. He was obedient, he was strong, and he was courageous. And a lot of our imagery, both in, a little bit in Scripture, but a lot of it outside of it, and it's an okay thing to think, we know that the river was the boundary that we, the, the Hebrews crossed into the promised land. And we've carried that concept forward, and sometimes we will talk about crossing the Jordan into the final promised land metaphorically to talk about how when we get to heaven, how eventually we will cross the Jordan into heaven. You know what's the same? It takes God to get you across. You cannot and will not build your own bridge into heaven. It takes God himself dividing the water so that you can go across. And if you think you can make your own way into heaven, you are exactly wrong as it was for Joshua to think he can get a couple million people across this river when it's flooding. He had to depend on God. There is no other way. That is the truth for salvation as it was then. It is the truth for salvation today. And as long as this earth is here and you have an opportunity, God must make the way for you to cross. And sometimes that means he tells you to get up and in three days you're going. And on day three, he says, get up and walk toward the water. Follow me. And sometimes you follow him until your feet get wet. For God reveals himself and his power. Oh, the hard times and difficult times that many of us have been through. But thank God that he is here for us. Thank God that he fights for us. Thank God that he still performs miracles in our daily lives and that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he lives. Someday, we're going to cross over Jordan. If you know the Lord, and if the Lord knows you, we will cross over Jordan. You know what we'll know then? Everything. We'll be able to look back and we'll know all those times that God guided us. We'll be able to look back and know probably the times that he guided us and we went to the left or to the right. We'll be able to look back and understand the impact that we had on all these people throughout all our lives. The little things, the big things. We will understand when it's all over why we went through the trials and the tribulations that we did. Why we saw huge vistas ahead but not a path forward. Why we felt hidden in the valley and weren't sure what was around the corner. All these things at some point will make sense. And it all comes down to are we being obedient today to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to do as he commands. Because someday we're going to find out. I don't know. I don't know why. I've mentioned this before. One of the most profound experiences I've had as your pastor was the morning that Helen passed away. And I go to see Sister Beulah, her mom. 
she grabs me, literally, and says, why? It's supposed to be me. I said, I don't know. But God does. And you know what? That day, I believed it. I'll confess, I don't always believe it. I don't always understand why something happens, why things don't happen. But that day, I knew that that was the answer. Why was she still living at almost 100 years old and her daughter passed away unexpectedly? I don't know. But God does. And you know what? Both of them know now why. And I'll find out someday, by and by. Will you find out someday, by and by? If you don't know the Lord... If he hasn't cleared that Jordan for you to cross over, then you will not cross over. Not only will you not know, you'll be left on the other side. All of us, well, hopefully most of us, will be celebrating with the one who made it possible. So I want to end a little bit differently today. Judy, if you come. I learned this song in a very unfortunate situation. October 31st, 2006. A police officer I worked with was shot and killed. And a few days later, we had his funeral. I feel like this man knew the Lord. It was very important to him. He would attend church in uniform when he could and sit in the back and was very faithful that way. And they picked this song out, and I remember singing it. I don't know that I ever heard it before. It seemed like I would have. But it was really hard then because I didn't understand. But it was interesting to hear, I don't know, probably 1,500 people sing it. So I want to sing it. If you know a couple of the verses, join with me. You'll definitely pick up on the chorus, and I'd like for you to sing it along. But as we do this, this is our invitational, if you want to call it that. If you want to pull it up on your phone, it's called Farther Along. Farther Along. It's not in the blue books or the red ones. And I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Farther Along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. See, that sunshine is God's grace and direction for our lives. When we have our darkest and most horrific moments in life, we must follow after God. So, sister, if you'll start playing, sing along if you know it. Farther along, if you want to look up the words. <laughs> 